Roger. This is how it's going to start. Hey! Welcome to Live to Hate with Johnny Pemberton here on the, the podcast of the name I just said. Thank you for being here right now with us. It's an exciting time. It's me, Jesse Kevy, Baby Debbie, the little squeaker outside looking in at the start of the podcast. So much potential and love and light. It's shining out like a, a really good flashlight. The kind that takes so many batteries, you're like, wow, it really takes this many batteries? You're kidding me. Why would it take so many batteries and also an odd number? No one sells batteries in an odd number. Yeah, it does actually, it takes that many batteries. But just wait, once we load up this flashlight with all these odd numbered batteries and make it really heavy, oh baby, it's gonna shine. It's gonna shine, 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 like a weapon of light. Here, on Live to Tape, we are the weapon of light in the forest of darkness devils here only on your source to get all the latest and greatest up-to-date information on daddy's big red truck which is currently making its way on a whistle-stop tour across the american united states in partial zones of of predetermined locations locations like a location but it's better okay it's even better than I was before. Just check it out. Come downtown, make a big shout. I'm rapping like I got clout. This is how rap sounds now, don't you know? It starts really slow, then it pops up, and you know we're gonna get beers boated. See, there would be a beat in there right now. It'd be like a Katy Perry meets, meets uh, I don't know, a guy like Pharrell or something like that. Don't you know when to pump up, buddy? Yeah, I'm gonna live a life like we did before we had, had awareness that it wasn't easy. It's not easy, but you're gonna squeeze it down to the drop. That's what my new song is called, Squeeze It Down to the Drop. It's about taking a rock and squeezing it. This is the intro to the podcast. This is a free range IPA jazz intro here on the Executive Buffet. If you don't know what the Executive Buffet is, it's a special buffet at a downtown hotel super early in the morning that only executives get to go to. If you're listening, ooh, you're an executive. Executive Mindset 101. Find the goal. Achieve the spot. Hit the target. When you pull back the string and think about where you're going, do you know where that arrow's going to land? 
Is it gonna land in France? Are you gonna be an objective fetishist and hump a fence? No. You gotta be bigger, broader, faster, stickier, longer, tougher, snackier. That's right, what I say snackier? Yeah, you're gonna eat more snacks than the next guy. Cause you've got them. Open up that pouch, undo the zipper, and dig your hand in that dust. It's a snack dust. Reach in, it's like sand, but even finer grain. Like ashtray dust in those old ashtrays they used to have at an airport outside when you could actually smoke places. But that intermediary time where you couldn't smoke inside, but you definitely can have, you're gonna be accommodated for outside. With an ashtray with sand in it, so you can put out the butt. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun here. <laughs> this is the podcast. Please keep uh, subscribing, rating, and reviewing to the podcast. You can check us out on patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape for extra goods. Also, I'm coming to a town possibly near you very soon. How great is this backing music, huh? Isn't this just like, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Something about this kind of crap is so evocative, as you just heard. So I'll just, I run the, run, I run this down every show, and I'll just do it again real quick. I'll be in Chicago on the 15th of July. Milwaukee, the 16th of July. Eau Claire, Wisconsin, on the 17th of July. I'll be in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota on the 19th of July. I'll be in Iowa on the Des Moines, Des Moines. And the 20th of July, I'll be in Union Hall in Brooklyn on the 22nd of July. I'll be in Philadelphia on the 23rd of July. So if you want to get into those, go to johnnypemberton.dog, or you can check out my Instagram, which is johnny underscore Pemberton, or Twitter, which is at Johnny Pemberton. Check out any of those places. You probably already know all this already because you're, you know, you're a frequent listener who's really digging in deep to all the content. But if you want to go to... <coughs> if you want to... <coughs> if you want to... Go to johnnypemberton.dog. That's my website. And I have all the ticket links on there. I'm about to add Good Good in Philadelphia, which is going to sell out uh, for sure. I know it is. So um, it's a wonderful place. So go there and buy some tickets ahead of time and tell your friends who live there to go because these are going to be really, really, really fun shows. Okay. That's all I wanted to do there. I want to deliver a few more messages real quick here that have a bit more uh, excitement connoted to them. Did I say right? Connoted to them? Added? Maybe attached. Excitement attached. The Trinity XR is now available in a 2.5 milligram spray style. With a new foaming spray, you can go out there and live your best life. The Vinatry 2.5 XR. Go there. Do it. Find the path. Do the life. Find it. The Vinatry. It's your life. Find the place. Go there. Do it. Be the one who finds the thing that you were looking for in the first place. May cause itchiness, shortness of breath, longer fingernails, gamma rays from the mouth and balls, new foot to grow, extra grocery purchases, lawn care addiction. Levinitry XR is not recommended for adults over 65 or under 42. Levinitry, it's your life. Find the place where you live. Levinitry, don't forget about us. We didn't forget about you. Levinitry, 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 Levinitry. All right. Let's get this podcast 
on the wheels, on the rails, rails on wheels, full deals, meal deals, cash kisses, body wishes, glass cutter fists, daddy's doing the dishes. You're gonna love it. Here it goes. The wonderful Jay Larson is my guest. Here on Live to Tap. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? No, what is it? <laughs> it's this old fucking, it's this old uh, video of a bunch of guidos going to uh, this place in Long Island called DJ's. Yeah. It's this is like oh, this is like old YouTube shit. I'll show it to you right now. Oh my god, something about, I used to watch this all the time. First of all, you better be careful saying guidos, bro. Well, <laughs> have some respect, <laughs> Italian Americans. Italian Americans, Jay Larson. <laughs> Welcome, Jay. Thank you, sir. Great to be here. Check this out real quick. Oh, this is a fucking ad. God, I need to. I need to get. Oh, here it is. Ow! I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? in my car. This is Jersey. Yeah, it is. Baby blue, I see you in two weeks. Baby blue. <laughs> gotta be smiling, gotta, gotta be, be dancing, gotta be shaking that ass. <laughs> that's it. You know what? <laughs> There's something that's so freeing about their comfortability with, like, oh. you know what I mean? They're like, you better be shaking your ass, dancing. You gotta be smiling. You gotta be dancing. You gotta be shaking that ass. And they're bros. These guys are in a Kia, and it's five of them probably, maybe four. They're packed in there. 
This is there's five dudes. There's five dudes in this car, and this is not a big ass car. Got the rosary in the foreground hanging from the uh Bro. The, the rear view. These the are rosary. What's my aunt Gert in that ride? Did you grow up Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Hardcore. That's what I figured. Like there was my aunt said the rosary every day. No, they didn't. Dude, my these are my great aunts. They lived together. Guess how long they lived together? Uh forty years. Ninety. No fucking way. Yeah, fucking way, bro. 90 years. You got it, baby. This is in blue. Boston area? Yeah, just outside. 90 they, years. They grew up together. Oh. And then they lived together. Mm -hmm. And then my aunt met a dude. And then he went to the war. And then he dear Johned her. And oh. uh, that was it. And she, Auntie Rue and Auntie Gert. Well, she dear Johned him? No, he, he, no, she didn't go to the war. I thought dear John is when you write a letter to a soldier saying, Dear John, I'm sorry, but we are, oh, I can't yeah. wait for you. Yeah, well, like I need to get it. It was reverse. He was like, "Yo, I'm out." Like he got back and was like, "Nah." Girl. Oh, okay, really? Yeah, and like uh, it was my aunt Rue. So my aunt Gert passed away at 98. Gert at, is that short for Gertie? You know it, Gertrude, okay. baby. Gertrude, yeah. Gertrude. And then Auntie Rue Swartzen mm -hmm. used to call her aunt, Auntie Ruthless, and uh, she she passed. She lived with her when my aunt was Auntie Gert was 98. Uh -huh. Auntie Rue was 90, and she used to like. She kept her alive for two extra years. This is almost a little bit of a, what's that movie called? The one about the those rich ladies who live in the East Coast. They're kind of they're kind of not they're shut-ins, I guess you not shut-ins, but Witches um, of Eastwick. Oh, Witches of Eastwick. I've never even seen that though, so I don't even know. The movie, it's Grey Gardens. Grey Gardens. Grey Gardens. That's a different scene altogether. Grey Gardens. Those those are like Kennedy wealthy Kennedy cousins, oh and they're God. sort of my family worshipped. The Kennedys. Oh, really? The Kennedys and the royal family. <laughs> Auntie Rue and Auntie... They, they kept up to date on everything Princess Diana was That's doing. Funny. I don't know what it was. It's like... You know, they were... You know why? It's the royals, man. My Aunt Rue and my Aunt Gert, their parents were uh, off the boat. So they were both... But they were had, Irish. Yeah. One was Irish. One was Italian. Oh. And they had accents. They were from Europe. You know yeah. what I mean? So they had this, like, fascinating... I don't know. Where in Ireland are they from? Kilkenny? Kilkenny. That's the north or the south? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? No, my mother just throws it around. Well, you know, your family's from Kilkenny. Your family's from Kilkenny, Jay. And, and I'm like, well, why? Are you Irish? I don't think I am, actually. I'm not any Irish at all, which is, uh, you know, it's not sad. It's just more like, I can't, ever, I can't get into that. I think I'm purely of the oppressor strain. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pure, all English, so it's like, oh, the Irish, uh, how, how cute they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at them toiling away. <laughs> <laughs> they do what they can. Oh, well, there they are. Farmers. Give them some tea and sugar, they'll work 16 hours. <laughs> they think nothing of it. That's what they, they do. They don't know how bad they've got it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how we want them. That's just how we want them. Stupid. What if that's James Joyce character writing all the time? Are you a James Joyce fan? I've never really read any James Joyce. Some of that stuff, some of those Irish writers are so, uh, what's the word, not dense, but it's very, like, woof. No, dude, I re it's, they say that, like, Portrait of an Artist is a Young Man, and then what are the, whatever the other one James Joyce wrote are the best Ulysses? novels. Yeah, maybe. And okay. if you, you try to read it, and you're like, fuck this. It's so hard. You're like, this is why people say it, because they couldn't, they couldn't understand it. It's like swimming in muck. It is 100% like swimming yeah. in muck. I maybe mean, I should try again, but... I mean, I, I should try, actually. I feel like if I... I mean, you, you ever think about that, about reading? How, like, uh, you know when you got... As you're growing up, you get better at reading. But I think there's a point now where I'm sort of like, oh, I don't want to get better. I just want to read more of the level that I like. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a no level getting better I love. now. That's it.
if I, maybe it was like, oh, I'm going to toil and really, really get into this Joyce, really get into Faulkner. That would be fun to do when you're like old and retired. If I break a leg or something. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because you can't live life when you have a broken leg now? That's my thought. You I'm, just give up? There's a lot of things I'm waiting to do until I break a leg. It's funny. When I'm at shows and I see people out on crutches, I'm like, look at you. You came out on crutches. I wouldn't be fucking anywhere if I was on crutches. I saw a guy on the hiking trail the other day starting the trail on crutches. No. I stopped him and I said, hi, uh, excuse me, um, are you like, what's going on here? You in recovery? Is this part of your 12 steps? And he said, he said that he uh, hurt his foot. I'm like, did you hurt it out here? He said, no, I hurt it at work. And I just been trying this out. And he was gone at a pretty, pretty good pace. Good for him. I can't believe that. Something nice about being out there, you know. Would you do that? No. Oh, you just said you wouldn't do it, actually. Yeah. You literally just said that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. The key to a good interview is listening to your guests. I did. I listened. I caught myself. Um, We don't have a sound effect for that? That's That sound effect came out of my mouth. Uh, No, anything on. I'll pull one up, though. You want one? No, no. No, Jay, Jay, Jay. I like how you do it. Jay Larson is here. Jay Larson is here. It gets even better. So, uh, comedian Jay Larson is in the house. Uh, Jay Larson is a prolific comedian with a uh, prolific podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Performs. I've seen Jay Larson perform countless times and never once been anything other than completely invested. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Dude, you sound a little like Dan Soder over there. Man, how cool would it be to sound like Dan Soder? You sound like <laughs> what I love about Dan Soder is just Dan Soder's also kind of a little bit bumbling. He's the kind of guy who'd be like order a oh, did I say what did I say I wanted to order a chili? I'm in a frosty. God. A hundred dude, that's it. Yeah. And you're doing the hand gesture too. Nah. Yeah. Oh shit, man. Oh oh, I meant July, not June. Oh crap. Well oh. I guess I'm just gonna have to ask for help and they're gonna help me right away because I sound like this. <laughs> I can't even with this. Yeah, well, do you wish you do you wish you had a voice like this? I mean, I love that. I mean, not that the deep one was tight. It's like, why am I even trying to deepen my voice? Well, this will just do it. I for think me. it's a thing. It's an effect that happens when you hear it. It's some sort of like you know that whole effect where if you play someone speaking back to them, like uh, half a second after they said it, like a delay effect. You can't talk. Have you ever had that happen? No. There's a phone app. You can do that. If they also use it like in sieges to make. People so they can't um, like disrupts them like heavily disrupts them. And what kind of sieges? Like a siege, like Waco, maybe <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> you know, kind of your, your average Waco situation. Yeah, you know those basic weekly yeah. Waco you know, sieges. Your weekly Waco. It's a thing where if you hear yourself just a fraction of a second after you said the thing, it causes this feedback loop where you basically can't proceed. It's I don't know what it's some. Weird because thing with it, your brain. Yeah, because it's happening immediately after you say it? Yeah. It's like if you start talking, say some stuff. Tell me like a really uh, obvious story. I pulled up here in the parking, parking lot, lot and, and I got I out of the my parking, car to walk to in. Yeah. If I did that to you, you'd be like, fucking stop it. <sighs> yeah, that was tough to just do it right there. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. He can't handle it. I would have got out of Waco too if that was a situation. Yeah. Well, they would have shot you. You ever watch that? Did you watch the uh, the Paramount TV uh with Taylor that, Kitchener and um, all those big-time actors. Is that David Koresh? Was that David that Koresh. Thing? Isn't it sad that we know that guy's name? I guess. I kind of like him. <laughs> and like a way, I like him in a way like he was a terrible person, 
but there's some of the stuff that he had did it wasn't so terrible. Yeah. If you take away the uh, the sort of sleeping with everyone's wife and children, yeah, then I like him. <laughs> then he was a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is, I'm glad I got out when I did. Oh, you were there. You were Branch Davidian. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. It was cool. It was, you know, it's a different way to be raised, you know. But yeah, it's interesting. It's a fun. I mean, obviously, with your aunts like living together like that, you're like, I, I gotta get out of this and start my own sort of style. Like that, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe you guys, since neither of you married, it'd be cool if you just have this one dude. And they were like, yeah, true. Do they hang out with you a lot and tell you stuff like, Jay, you gotta do this. Jay, you gotta do that. No, I mean they're both passed, but oh, okay. They one lived in '98, one 100. Did they smoke? No. Oh, they drink? I don't recall you know i mean i was so young i maybe like a little bit of wine here and there but or maybe like a a highball so not really no not really you know what i mean they were chill you have a huge family no no i have one cousin wow two two cousins jesus one we were estranged of for a long time my mom was an only child and then my parents separated so i didn't really spend time with my dad and then uh you know so there was no cousins. You know, we had a whole side of the family, but then we just stopped seeing them at a certain really? point. Did they move to, out of Boston area? No. Everybody was there. They were just like this other side of the family that like right. when you get a single mom with four kids, it's hard for her to like keep up with everyone when she's just trying to keep up with the four of you. You know right. what I mean? It's tough. Boston. I can't even imagine. Boston, bro. I was just home. And they tried to have a moment of silence at the Celtics game. I took Why? my son. Because... um. This great John Havlicek, he played for the Celtics for a long I've time. I've heard of that name, yeah. He passed away, so they they held a moment of silence for him. Right. And, and it was just, like, so funny. I'm like, you're going to try and hold a moment of silence in Boston? And literally a second, and someone's like, Johnny! You're like, <laughs> dude, you can honor him by just not saying anything, you clown. <laughs> Johnny! And then people are like, whoa! Oh, my God. And you're like, it's just a... And they had this, like, you know, like, at the beginning of sporting events, they have, yeah. like... Like a video thing going on. So in the thing before Celtics games, they show they show a, like a thing from World War II. Because mm-hmm. it's around D-Day right now, right? Yeah, but this had nothing to do. I Just mean, this had... was a month and a half ago. They show D-Day. <laughs> then they show like clips from 9-11. Uh-huh. Then the Boston Marathon bombing. And then you know what they showed? Which I thought was like, I thought it was cool. Like they're honoring America in some way. Then they showed the fr- us landing on the moon, and I was just I it like totally felt like so out of I get it it's American, but at the same time I'm like, is, are we still holding on to this? Are we still bragging about the space race? We're still gonna freaking be like, but we also, got there first, bro. If they're gonna show the good stuff, why would they show all that bad crap? I don't know. It's like no one wants to remember the Boston Marathon bombing, bro. In Boston, it's like uh, you hold that close, really, because it, well, I mean, think of it like. It's like a thing, you know. Was it that bad? Just, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, my hey. email, my email is uh, the email for the podcast is uh, live to tape podcast at gmail.com. All words, uh, lowercase, no numbers. Live to tape podcast.com. You can send me your complaints to that, or you can call Jay Larson at 626-401-9782. That's someone's number. It is. <laughs> um, I think it was a really big deal. You know what I mean? It was just like shocking. You think these things right. can never happen. But in terms of devastation, though. You mean of like loss? Yeah. I don't think it was like over, you know, I think there were. Three people died? 
I think there are more than that. I mean, it's sad that I don't know that information, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Like, a lot of, a lot of it puts though. fear. It, it yeah. like it heightens people like not wanting to take place, and that's why it was like so huge for mm-hmm. everyone to go run the marathon the next year to show that like right. solidarity. Hey, yeah, and like let's not be afraid. Let's still like, you know, not be afraid to live our lives. Like you should still right. live your goddamn life. You know. That's why when David Ortiz, who played for the Red Sox, took remember he took the mic and like went no. out there. I don't know. I hardly anything about sports. Okay, well, David Ortiz is like one of the. He's a badass. I know yeah, that he's much. awesome, and everyone in Boston loved him. And they t- took it to a new level when that happened. Played for the Sox. Played for the Red Sox. The Red Sox. It was like, the, was it the day after the bomb? It was the next game that we had after the bombing, yeah. and he took a microphone and went out to like the pitcher's mound, and he like gave this speech, and he said like. You know, like, we're a community, we're a family, and uh, we let people know, don't fuck, don't mess with our, don't fuck with our city. Oh, God. And it was the only time ever that, like, the uh, FCC or, like, they never bleeped it out on any radio, TV, nothing. They were like, eh, let that one slide. He's like, you know, the place yeah. went bananas. <laughs> I can't imagine that. They went nuts. Because, like, I just know, anyone I know from Boston already is that, just ready to go, ready to throw down at a moment's notice. You don't like my, you got a problem with my brother? I'll fucking die right here. I'm fucking dead. You're like, dude, you're six, man. You got to chill out. You're smoking cigarettes. What are you, you doing? You took my brother's cigarettes. <laughs> that must have been a real hug fest. Yeah, you know, I mean, it yeah. was a big, you know, it's a big deal anywhere. I was oh, yeah. Doing, um, we don't need to get too much into it, but I was performing at Auburn University that day. Uh, that's is that in Boston or that's in it, Georgia? It's in it's in uh, Alabama. I Alabama, think. yeah, right. And I remember just like I did forty five minutes, and then I go, "Hey, do you guys realize what happened today?" Mm-hmm. And then like I had this like talk with all these students really? about the bombing. Yeah, it was crazy. Was it? Well, how was it? Was it? It was amazing. You know why? Because college kids are so smart. They're interested in learning. Yeah. They're in a com- they're in a community of people that are all invested in learning and wanting to grow and right. wanting to, you don't go to college if you don't want to learn and you don't want to grow mm-hmm. i mean you want to party but you're still growing and these kids were like they were just awesome they're smart they have insight they're like you know open-minded yeah i feel like college kids are both ways i think some people don't give most people don't give them enough credit but also a lot of people give them too much credit it's like a weird thing where sometimes like anytime i've done college shows i'm like hey I'm just gonna shit all over this place, and you're gonna love it. Yeah. Like this place sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, oh, what is this? Who who painted this? An asshole. <laughs> that kind of thing, or the vice versa, where you have to like treat them like, uh, oh yeah, you aren't you aren't idiots because you're you wouldn't be here if you were like a total idiot. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love idiots though too. That's what I mean. That, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I mean by they're open minded. They're like, yeah, fucking make fun of us, and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna ride the train because we just want to like have a good time. Also, probably I don't really do colleges anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mean, I've only done a handful, really. Um, that's why I remember uh, what was that movie with Michael Douglas? Wonderful, Mister Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, I never saw that. Katie Holmes was in it. It's about like a guy who's a college professor. That's like my dream. Really, being on a college campus in a college town. There's always like good food and there's like art scene and it's just oh, it's the best. Do you want to live? You would like to live in a college town? Yeah, I would love it. How come you don't? I mean, I kind of do. L.A. is yeah, I got kinda... like Loyola not far from. It's not like you're surrounded by it, but you know, you gotta. I kind of have to be in L.A. for what we're here to do. You yeah. know what I mean? But like living in like. Uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, there's four colleges right there, or like Berkeley or something like that would be dope. I feel like uh, Chapel Hill is pretty sweet. Oh, 
I've never been. I've been. I was there once many years ago uh, for work, and I was there for like a night. I was like, "This place fucking rules! It's yeah. great." Yeah, I would love to live there, or like, I love to live someplace for three or four months of the year. Would be great. And then switch and go somewhere else. Yeah, or just I, I have a place in L.A., but I can go someplace else for like six months or. Depending upon work and stuff, yeah. go there for a lot of time to where it's like a second home. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be. And not New York City. Yeah, you know what I mean. Fuck not freaking New York. What is the thing with Boston and New York? They have an antagonism, right? Yeah, I mean it's, it's like old usually thing. sports based. I think. My friend Bobby, who was from New York, he'd always say the Boston people. All they say is, "Ah, you put tomatoes in your chowder." <laughs> yeah. Make yeah, because of... there's, you know, Manhattan clam chowder and New England clam chowder. And That's Oz, the difference? Oz Tomatoes? way better. Yeah, theirs is like red, and Oz is like creamy and amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, as a kid, I hated New York. I didn't really? know anything about the city. I never went to the city until I was 26. I'd never been to New York City. And I just hated it because I was a Red Sox fan, and they were Yankees, and I hated the Yankees. I hated yeah. everything they stood for. I just, like, I hate New York. And then I went to visit New York at 26 or 27 to do stand-up, and I was like, what? This city's amazing. I mean, yeah. it blew me away how, like, incredible and big and massive and fast and, like— uh, The first visit to New York is always the greatest. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just—I think I went there maybe 21 in college for the CMJ, the College Music Journal, because I was really into— College radio. Uh-huh. I went there for the first time. Yeah, I just. Wait, where'd you go to college? Florida State. Florida State, Florida baby. Seminoles. F L R O I D A S C H E. Florida State, Florida State, Florida State. Woo! Jesus. Scalp them. You know what? That's what they say. They say scalp them. They do. They say, they say scalp them. They keep it PC down there. I guess. I mean, it's, it's, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I got a buddy who his wife was getting her doctorate at Emory in uh-huh. Georgia. Right. So he's like, oh, I'll get a master's. And they moved to Georgia, and he started in the master's program. And he was like, he was 36. She was 33. And he's like, he sees this thing. They had a radio station. And he's right. like, they said, any student can get their own show. And he started having his own radio show nice. at 36. And, like, it was online and stuff, so we would watch it, and it'd be him, and we'd call in. And, like, behind him were, like, 19-year-olds waiting to get their hour in. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? What was he playing? You know, all everything that he loved. He's old school. Like, he played Billy Joel. He would play <laughs> Counting Crows. Oh, my God. They probably <laughs> hated that shit. Yeah, man. The radio station I worked at, it was very—it was this shit was locked down. You didn't have your own show. You had a time slot. So you're basically were an employee of the station. Totally. You had to play maybe 80% or 70% of what you played was already set up for you. You got to pick what song from what album, but basically— Oh, so it was like a real radio station? It was very much like a real radio station. It's the kind of thing where I've been in real radio stations afterwards and looked at them, and the difference is just less graffiti. Yeah. And maybe the equipment works better. But it's the same. It's very—it's so similar. Except I think the no, the college kids— I mean, I, I I haven't listened to my tapes from forever ago, but I'm sure I sounded. I listened to it the other day. I was I'm, I was amazed at how much dead air there was and just how timid the DJ was. Yeah. Just like, oh, okay, uh, we just heard something there from uh, the High Llamas, and that's uh, off their new record on. Uh, uh, that's on Mer- uh, Merge Records. Uh, it's just like ah. Oh! I'm sorry. dying here. Sorry, my, my friend's texting me right now. Um, yeah, totally. 
I, I, I was always jealous of that because I went to this little school and they didn't have a radio station. Right. And there's a school in Northampton called Hampshire College, which I would like always fantasize about. Eugene Merman went there. You can create your own major. He majored in stand-up comedy. Oh, it's one of those like yeah. hardcore hippie. It's kind of hippie-ish. It was of. like a experimental college that just stuck, and now yeah. it's like still around. And they had like this dope radio station, and it's like this like mid-century dome in the middle of campus. Well, you like, went there. No, I never went oh, there. Okay. I just like got obsessed with Hampshire College because I, I started writing this TV show about a guy who taught at a school like that. Right. So I started like researching Hampshire College and I was just like, oh man, I love this place. When did you get into start when did you start doing stand up? Mm, two thousand one. In Boston? No, LA. In LA. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You're like me. What year did you start? I think I started in 2006 or 2005. I no way. Much. Well, it's when I first moved here. Yeah. And I think I moved here in 2006. Uh, or maybe That's 2005. Crazy. I think I moved here. I started, you know, about six months after I moved here, I guess. Wow. Yeah. And you knew you were coming here to do it? Uh, pretty much. Like, I knew I wanted to do comedy. I, I think um, I really wanted to do, like, improv and sketch stuff. And yeah. I did that. But I got into stand-up just because I also, I don't know, I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I started here. You, you know, do you, That was one of, like, the longest word fumbles I've ever had in my life. That wasn't even that bad. That could be used for a bleeping section for something. Like, take that, cut that out. Can we mark that right there? <laughs> mark that. That's something to use for bleeping shit from now on is me going. Yeah, totally. Did you ever have people tell you that when you tell them you started stand-up in comedy, started stand-up in L.A., they're like, whoa. Yes, every time. Isn't that funny? Like, dude, what are you, crazy? You don't start here. And I'm like, I had, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't even know I was going to do stand-up. So I had nothing to compare it to, you know, like. Yeah. yeah, if I could go back, would it be dope to go live in Chicago or San Francisco or D.C. or Atlanta where Anywhere. there's, like, Denver, where there's all these awesome scenes mm-hmm. and start up with a bunch of people and, like, get really good, then come to L.A. and make a splash? Sure. But did, I didn't know any better. Did you, uh, when you started to learn that, did you feel like you kind of learned it when it was at the point when, oh, well, I'm already priced in. I'm already committed here, so... To ch- to I never learned that. that you all, never did. No, because I started and things started like going really well. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, I just started like getting shows and like I loved it and I loved being in LA. I loved being away from home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like really finding myself for the first time because I was really like, dude, I was a townie. Like, I right. loved being from Stoneham, Massachusetts. Stoner? Stoneham. Stoneham. Mm-hmm. Stoneham. Stoneham. Um, I love being from Stoneham. I love my friends. I loved everything about Boston. I love Thoreau. I love Walden. Ooh, Name it. I was a transcendentalist to the bone. I loved the Celtics, the Patriots, the Bruins, the Sox. I mean, I was all about it. I mm-hmm. love the museums. I, I was like, I like apple trees. I like picking apples. I like pop, everything. Okay. So, like, I was so defined by the person that I grew up. And, and I started, like, going through this thing when I moved to L.A. I'm like... I didn't pick to live in Boston. I didn't pick any of my friends. I'm yeah. like, I'm picking L.A. And so for me, it was just like this escape. And then literally I lived in L.A. for, I mean, in Hollywood for six months, then moved to the beach and lived by the beach for four months. We got kicked out of there. I had nowhere to go. I had I had spent all my money. And I one of my roommates was an architect who had bought this house that was like you couldn't live in, like legally. To fix it up. 
yeah, he was going to tear it down and build, like, put down his stamp on the world as, like, nice. an architect. And so he's like, hey, you can, you can stay here if you want. It didn't have, a, it didn't have hot water. It, the tub was, you're not going in that tub. <laughs> it didn't have a kitchen, and it only had heat in one room. And I was like, dude, I am not staying here. So I crashed on couches for, like, three days, and then I went back to that house, and I was like, fuck it. And I turned it into, like, my own house, and I lived there for 14 months. Where was this? In Venice. Oh my god, it's just so cool. It was the best, man. It's like this is I, like 2002, 2003. This was 2001. Wow. And this is like when I I just I like had a chance to like strip myself down to nothing mm-hmm. and have nothing and rely on nothing and not care about anything and like build myself back up the way that I wanted to see myself, you know? Mm-hmm. It was great. Like I let go of a lot of stuff, held on to a lot of stuff. But uh it was like my chance to like recreate myself, you know? That's so well. So why did you move to LA in the first place? And if you're so such a diehard Bostonite, well, I knew I knew that I just wanted. I'll be straight up, and this is for real. This is not a joke. So you guys should cue up some music for this. No, it's. I mean, Are you sure, you can. Yeah, cue something. Well, will be some good good background music for this statement. It's going to be brutally honest. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen here. Bon Iver, maybe any Bon Iver. Well, the, the, he's out there. Like what song? Um, we'll just put this one on. I don't. I don't know them very well, but this is. Is this a bad song or a good song for it? Yeah, I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't you wish? Don't you walk through life wishing you had a soundtrack playing? Oh, absolutely. I used to walk across the campus in college, and I'd look at kids, and I'd see them looking at me, and I'd be like, "Fuck it, do they hear what I'm hearing?" They don't. No, they don't. <laughs> no one does. You crazy person. Uh, no, I literally moved here because of Goodwill Hunting. What, what I, does that mean? It means... <laughs> can I get my music back? Crying yeah, I know. I was starting... I wanted the vocals to come in and fuck it up. How about this? Is this better? Wait. Oh, an error occurred. What the fuck? Here we go. That's so you right there. You know, I just got in my car, and I, I started driving. I didn't know where I was going to go. And I had a golden retriever. You did? No, I'm making oh. this all up to go with this song. <laughs> I just believed you so much. I know. No, literally, man, I had $3,200. I flew out with whatever I could carry uh-huh. and uh, then, you know, started a life in L.A. But, I no, I watched Goodwill Hunting, and I found out I, that movie, I like, blew me away. I, loved I haven't it. watched it in so long, I forget the particular details oh, of it. It's so good. I should rewatch it, actually. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, because I never really had any male role models in my life, I was right. always looking to, like, athletes and cinema yeah. for male role models. And I saw Goodwill Hunting, and I'm like, wait, these guys are from Massachusetts. And they made this movie. Oh. And they wrote it, and they yeah. won Best Screenplay. And I'm like, you could that's doable? Because mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to do something. So it's sort of like uh, the idea, like, oh, this is some of these... these these just regular dudes did. Yeah, it was never in my head that that was something you could do. You know wow, what I mean? yeah. And That's so interesting. I started, like, I came up with this idea for a movie, and mm-hmm. I started, like, I remember that summer, like, hanging out with my buddies, and I would take notes on scraps of paper at pool halls and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to move to L.A. And I told them all I'm going to move to L.A., and I was like, okay, bro. I remember my girlfriend being like, uh, did you want to discuss this with me? And I was like, no, it really has nothing to do with you. How did she really say it, though? How, how would, what would her voice have sounded like? Jay, do you, I, 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 it kind of hurts my feelings that you're just going to move to L.A. and you haven't, you're telling everyone and you haven't even talked to me about it. Shouldn't have like a thick Boston accent? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's uh, what I was waiting for. Sorry. No, she was, uh, no, she was great. But 
Um, yeah. So then I was just like, I wanted to move here to write. I yeah. always knew I wanted to write, even in college. Like when I had papers due, mm-hmm. I wrote plays. I would hand in a play or like a journal from a character. You know what I mean? And my, yeah. my professor's always like, what do we do with you, dude? Because I would hand it in. I would show up to class late and the ink would still be wet on the paper because I just finished it. And uh-huh. I would just hand it in and they would be like, this is going to be a fucking mess. <laughs> but they liked me and they liked my ideas. Yeah. But, you know. That's crazy. That's cool. So you moved up by yourself. Yeah. You didn't have any buddies here. I had one friend who was going to move out here to be an mm-hmm. actor and asked me to go with him. And literally, I remember him calling me the night before he was leaving. He's like, so what's up? You want to come to L.A. or what? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't have enough money. And uh, so six months later, I moved out. And then I had like a, a distant cousin who I knew of but didn't right. know. And uh, she was great and he was great. But yeah, that was it. How did you meet the architect? Craigslist. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Was it Craigslist? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Craigslist. It's weird how a lot of that stuff actually, like we think it doesn't work, but sometimes that stuff is really the most effective because there's like this weird kind of, um, what do you call it? Uh, like a kismet. Yeah. The present sure. in those things. Well, it just becomes the idea that if you're going to jump in anything, you mm-hmm. have to just believe it's going to work out. So you have to believe that every situation that's happening is the right situation. Yeah, because you, you don't know? have time to second guess everything. If you did, then you're just sort of not going to do anything. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I moved in. I answered that Craigslist ad, and there was a kid from Cincinnati, a dude from Michigan, and some other girl who I can't remember where she was from. And we were all, like, trying to do different things. And we just lived at the beach, and I was super into, like, the beats, and I was reading tons of Kerouac and, oh, like, cool. <laughs> shit like Neil Cassidy. And, yeah. Uh, so I was drinking port. Oh, my God. You're having that phase. Yeah. Uh, that's, I'm... like, a funny phase, man. Yeah. That's, like, a thing. I think I kind of had a similar one to that, but that's, like, a weird well, – looking back on it, it's a little bit – embarrassing but it's also 100 percent, especially because yeah. i didn't know anything about port so i was drinking in a wine glass <laughs> and just chugging so like i would i'd work i'd go to acting class i'd come home to the beach and then sunset would be happening we'd walk out to the beach watch the sunset smoke a joint come back in light a fire we had a fireplace in this, this old craftsman house and then we would like pour some port put on music and then cook I would cook all the time and then go to bed and wake up and repeat for four months. What were you listening to back then? Oh, my God. Can you remember? You know what? I used to rollerblade. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to True Confessions, where Jay Larson admits. Uh, Jay Larson used to rollerblade. I actually loved rollerblading. Rollerblading is, to me, is, to talk shit about it is, doesn't make any sense. It's like people who hate those electric scooters. Like they're, Haven't they're, been on one. There's yeah, they're fun as hell. Yeah, they are. Uh, like, oh, they're dangerous. Yeah, what happens when you're having fun? You break your arm. <laughs> you totally. That's when you have a great time. Yeah, and they are dangerous. And the jackasses yeah. that are driving on the sidewalk, you're a dickhead. You yes. know what I mean? That's when you throw that guy a forearm shiv when he comes mm-hmm. by. But otherwise, just stay out there. Um, so I would rollerblade all the time, and I had a disc man. Yeah. And I would rollerblade from Venice to Malibu all the time, and that was like my workout. <laughs> I wish I could. I mean, I used to have to stop and change discs. I bet you did. Do you remember that Sebastian Maniscalco? Do you remember that bit? He would talk. Know. He used to talk about seeing a guy at the gym with a disc man, and he's like, "Is this guy have a CD player?" And then he goes, oh, "He's changing discs." <laughs> That's the funniest thing. I want to do that now. Go to the gym with the disc man. I'm surprised you're not walking around with one of those Sony Walkmans. The yellow. I, I looked to buying one, 
but it's just they're really expensive, and I feel like I wouldn't use it for the price because they're no. they're they're coveted now. Yeah, of course. It's like a an artifact. Yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. is. I can't remember what I was listening to. God, I wish I could. What about the genre? Maybe everything was like I'm. Everything with me is melancholy. Like I've been really? listening to the National a ton. I've been listening to Sun Kill Moon a ton. Oh, Sun Kill Moon. I'm you know that song? Um, my friend Ben. I've my been, friend Ben. You know that song or Ben? I don't is my really friend. know them very well, dude. It's all he's just Ben's talking. my friend. Ben is my friend. All he's ta- he's just talking. I never really listened to this band he's at all. Just talking. Well, there is a guitar. No, I know, but I'm saying some drums. Nothing's rhyming. He just talks about his day. Woke up this morning, August third. It's been a pretty slow and uneventful summer. Went to visit a friend in Santa Fe. Went to New Orleans and went to see my family. Woke up this morning, it occurred. It's just a story. Yeah. I've never listened to this band before. I don't know why. I just met my girl and we walked down Union Street. I was scattered and my head was in a bunch of places. Bought a three hundred fifty dollar pair of lampshades. We ate berries and I ordered crab cakes. He just elevates his voice a little louder in certain points and speeds it up. And I'm just like, oh, the story. He's just telling a story with cool music and he's got a cool voice. And you're just like, all right, nothing rhymes and I guess we're gonna be cool with it. But I just can't stop listening to it. Yeah, it's really good. I dig it. She said I seemed distracted, and that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. I said I can't explain it. It's a middle age. You know, like that. Okay, Is he from a different band? Do you have a different band before this? I don't know, but I just love that name of that band. Yeah, Sunkill Moon. It's also K-I-L, not K-I-L. You know what I mean? Think about that a little bit. A little bit of artist, artism there. A little artism. Yeah, a little artism. I love artism. I'm a big fan of artism. I love artism things. Are, people ask you, are you artisanal? And I'm like, yeah. I'm, Every day. I'm artisanal. I'm dipping my hands deep in the wax. <laughs> letting it dry, dripping off, reforming. This reminds me of this song from years ago that by this band called Bar, B-A-R-R. This is like some indie shit right here. Bar is? Yeah. This I haven't listened, thought about this in fucking forever. This, oh, I just fucking closed the window. Jesus Christ. You know what I just taught my kids the other day was what melancholy was. Really? Like, you just never think you have to. I guess. How did you define it, though? Well, so we put, I put on this song. Um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins? <laughs> no. What is that song? <laughs> it's, it's, about, it's about New York. New York, I love you. LCD sound system. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, a, they fucking rip. Yeah, I love that You've seen them live before? No. Oh, God. It's ridiculous. You know why I love them? Because my wedding song is This Must Be the Place, Talking Heads. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're so like talking heads. They have that yeah. song Home, which I'm like, is that a. a, a I think it's like a homage no, look, to I them. I love you, but, but you're, you're bringing, bringing me, me down. down. This could be any city, too. <laughs> it's like I feel like. Anywhere. Yeah. New York, I love you. But you're, you're bringing, bringing me down. down. My daughter, who's three and a half, is like, this song is sad. And I was like, no, it's not sad. It's melancholy. That's a good distinction. I never thought about that. Because I guess melancholy, you can kind of enjoy, right? It's almost like yeah, bro. you're soaking in this feeling as opposed to being depressed. Fuck yes. I, this is how I explain it. I go, you know how some songs sound happy? Yeah. Or some songs are happy and some are sad. Melancholy is the music is happy, but the words are sad. Or the music is sad and the songs are happy. Mm-hmm. First of all, one thing I learned living in that condemned house was that 
you don't run from depression. You soak it up and you experience who you are in depression and understand yourself that like, oh, this is how I feel when I don't feel good. You know what I mean? And there's something beautiful about it. What's wrong with it, you know? Right. You can kind of, uh, you acknowledge it instead of just trying to paste something over it. Yes. And not everything is going to be great. Yelp mm-hmm. has ruined the world to think everything. Have a shitty meal once in a while. Dude, Yelp is something that I like am infinitely fascinated with. The, I love reading bad reviews for places that like Caribou Coffee or Starbucks. Yeah. It's like, who are you talking to right now? <laughs> who? Do you think? It's like you're knocking the door of the castle saying, excuse me, um, I don't like the way this looks. Yeah. Like they're going to give two shit. Everyone oh. knows what Starbucks is anyway. You yeah. think anyone's looking for reviews on it like should I go there I love it this is not the LCD sound system I've been used to hearing no of course I'm thinking more like the fucking chugging disco like coke eight minute long song that builds and builds I gotta read you this Yelp review I found out it's so fucking good it's one for a caribou coffee in Minneapolis oh yeah you're Minneapolis I was talking about Minneapolis today you know Okay, I found it. Oh, my God. This is great. It's from Alexis T. from Oakdale, Minnesota. One star. (laughs) I always get a, quote, not-so-hot, quote, coffee, as I'm a wimp to hot coffee. Got my coffee and took a sip, expecting it to be not more than slightly hot, as usual. But it was unpleasantly greeted with scalding hot coffee on my tongue. This may seem like a minor issue, but I genuinely burnt my tongue pretty bad, and I am not happy with this store or the staff's poor ability to follow through with a simple request I very clearly asked for. First time here is a bad experience. <laughs> She's one star because she got coffee that was hot. What's her name? Alexis T. Alexis. <laughs> you know, people at the office are like, ah, Alexis burnt her tongue again. She's always burning her tongue. You know, it's a big issue with her. We have a big problem with Alexis at the office. You ever been to Johnny's Pastrami, Johnny? No. Where it, is that? It's in Culver City, and they Ooh. make this amazing... It's been there for, since, like, the 50s or yeah. 30s, and it's amazing. It's an IE? No, why? Oh, why? Okay, that's how you spell it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... You know, it's they got all the pastrami in this big pot. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's hot, steaming, and they put it on the sandwich with the cheese, great bread, mustard. Ooh. So I went in there one day, got one to go. But as soon as they got it, I'm like, I need, I need a bite now. And yeah. I opened up, I took a bite, Whoosh. and it was so hot, it burnt a quarter size piece of skin off the roof of my mouth. And oh. you know what I did? You ate it. I kept eating. <laughs> I didn't give two shits. I was like, fuck it, play through the pain, bro. Yeah. Or am I going to write up Johnny's and be like, no, this place blows? No, dummy. Enjoy yeah. it. Yelp is, is it's just crazy. There's some, just the degree of, you know what it is? I think it's the, uh, the, uh, the, the degree of entitlement that everybody feels. 100%. Entitlement. You, it's so sad. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, just eat a shitty meal and yeah. be fine with it. Can you just be fine with a shitty meal without having to try and take a business down? Just... <laughs> Eat a shitty meal. Go to a shitty play. Just go to one and leave and be like, yeah, I don't think it was that good, but who cares? You can't enjoy it. You can't appreciate how much work went into them putting it uh-huh. on. They rehearsed. They got costumes. They hired people. They printed tickets. Go. Eat a shitty meal. Have a bad experience and just be okay. You know what my kids say? So all kids at like th- between three and five start learning what boring is. You have two kids. Yeah. 
and being bored. And they're like, I'm bored. And like, it's this, it's an issue with parents of like, what do you tell your kids when they're yeah. bored? Do you tell them, oh, that's not like when my son first told me, I took him outside. Like he had, he had, <laughs> oh, been, this is going to be good. He hadn't been, he had been like wising off to my, my wife. And he's not really a, a wise ass. Yeah. And I had been out of town. And so I got home and it was a Sunday and my wife told me. And so that night before bed, it was like, 7.30, it was like wintertime, so it was dark out. And I go, come outside with me. And we went out front, and he was f- four. Mm-hmm. And we sat down on the sidewalk in the under the moonlight. And I go, hey, what, what's up with you giving mom attitude while I was gone? I'm like, don't give your mom attitude. I go, you respect your mom. Like, she's going to take care of you. You know, like, you, you got to be sweet. He's like, okay. And I go, what's this I hear about you? You're, you're saying things are boring? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I go, look around right now. I go, look at that, look at that moon. Look at that tree. You hear those birds? None of that is boring. Everything around you is amazing. Everything. That paint on that wall is amazing. That grass is amazing. You have so much around you. And he was like, okay, daddy. And then so I told my wife that. And she's like, you know, I recently read an article and it says that it's good for kids to be bored. They should be bored. That's when their imagination kicks in. That's when they right. find other things. That's when, like, so then I was like, all right, now I got to make that adjust. But at the same time, I was kind of saying the same thing, but yeah, wasn't really. Yeah, I, I would say you're on the same page. Though. Yeah, but all the time now, if they're, they're, they'll say I'm bored. I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. You know when you do it, you're bored? Create something in your head. And then I turn up the music and I ignore them. I feel like I, w- I want to see the version of it where it's like, oh, you're bored? Here's a leaf blower. Get out there. <laughs> Here's a leaf blower. Here's a guy who's got a landscape company. He's looking for work. Mm-hmm. Go to him. Yeah. Are you bored? Dig a hole. Totally. See how deep you can get. <laughs> Call 311 first. <laughs> Call before you dig. Did you, uh, did you like, mow your lawn as a kid growing up? I mowed my, mow my neighbor's lawn occasionally, but not really. Even though I really, that's all I wanted to do was do jobs, like a classic yeah. job like that. But I never, it was like a thing where... I never got to do that kind of crap, even though I really wanted to, yeah. except for occasionally mowing the neighbor's lawn. Even then, their mower was fucked up. So when I pulled the, I still to this day, if I have to, what's that called when you pull, yeah, pull start something? Yeah. Something was fucked up with it where when you pulled it, every once in a while it would jerk back really hard and almost rip your fucking fingers off. Yeah, I know. And I was so scared of that. that even now, I'm just, I just can't believe I, I went to Minnesota uh, two weeks ago. My brother had to mow his lawn at his house, and I was like, oh, can I, can I do a little mowing? And I, he told me, showed me how to start it, and I did it. And I was just like, oh, God, PTSD from 30 yeah. years ago. Well, you're was, starting <clears throat> an engine. You're going to yeah. start this thing that has blades that move. I used to love mowing my lawn. Really? Well, we had to sit down. Oh, I always wanted to sit down so bad. Oh, I know. I, people like, how'd you learn how to drive? And I was like, I drove a sit-down lawnmower for eight years before I could get my license. You so know? you guys had one in in the uh, We were ha- outside of Boston, Stoneham. Right. Stoneham? Yeah, we had a big yard. It came with the house. The mower right. came with the house. Ooh. Like, that's the only way that you were going to, like, you know, it's like, hey, what are we going to do with it? You know what I mean? You don't have a sit-down unless you have a big yard. And we had a big yard. You ever see The Straight Story? That movie, um, I think it's a David Lynch movie, yeah. You know, when I worked with David Lynch, uh, no, I haven't seen it. You could have worked with David Lynch. I didn't. I I did work with David Lynch. Really? Yeah, on Twin Peaks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But no, I haven't seen it. Is it a cool movie? It's really cool. Was it a straight story? Yeah, it's a G-rated movie that he did that is about this guy riding a mower to uh, to see his brother who's dying like 100 miles away in Iowa. Oh, yeah. It's a very relaxing kind of local color movie. But it's really good. I haven't seen it since it came out. I gotta check that out. Sissy Spacek is in it. Richard Farnsworth's the main character. I think that's about it. But it's 
it's really good. I was, I was thinking about the other day because there's this cool part in there where he sees these two brothers fighting because he's getting his, his engine fixed in this small town on the way to his brother's place. And they're like bickering really aggressively. And he stops and he's like, you got, what are you guys doing? Why are you fighting like that? This is your brother. And this is your brother. The both of you understand life in a way that no one else in the entire world understands the same way. You shouldn't be fighting. Like, and do oh. they stop? They stop. I mean, is that word for word? Because it sounds like it could be. And you much. sound a little like David Lynch in the way you're saying. Well, that's uh, that's my Richard Farnsworth impression. Uh-huh. But I, I mean, <laughs> he's like an old, you know, old gray-haired dude. Yeah. And I always think about that because I, f- I fight with my brother a lot. I'm like, oh yeah, I shouldn't fight with my brother because it's like, he's basically me. Yeah. He's How, the same what's person. The age difference. Four years, so it's a good amount, but yeah. not like a ton, you know. Yeah. My brother and I used to not get along at all. When was that? For years. When you were growing up? No. Like in our in our thirties. Really? Yeah. Big Did you time. guys ever fight physically? When we were little, but like never I, I think he would hit me, I never hit him. Is he bigger or smaller? He's he's taller. Is he older? Yeah, he's fourteen oh. months older. So my brother's bigger than me and he's he's younger. He's my brother can kick my ass now. Really? Yeah, for real. Like he could I wouldn't stand no chance. That's great. Yeah. He looks older than me too. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody? Yeah, that's true. But he has like gray hair on his. He's like salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, too I don't bad, have buddy. salt and pepper. No. It's just it's just salt. It's not even salt. It's uh, it's straw. Yeah, salt yeah. And straw. But sometimes because he sometimes I'll smack him in the face a little bit, but he knows that he can just basically I don't know whoop your ass if he yeah, wants basically. to. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I don't think he would though. I don't think I'd want him to whoop my ass. I no. wouldn't wouldn't drive him to that point. No, why would you? It's like yeah. uh, fighting is the most pointless thing in the world. Yeah. I can't stand it. I'm not a fan. You never gotten any fights back no. in the day, in the Boston days? No. So it's like, isn't that a fighting city? Yeah. <laughs> I would drive a lot of people to want to fight me, and I would just talk my way out of it. I just, it just, it was the idea, it was more about the idea that, like, I'm just, it, it like, made me physically sick to think that I would hurt somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't, I never was afraid of me getting hurt because I just didn't even think of it like that. I was just like, I don't want to hurt somebody. Like, I think we have a, such a low threshold for what it takes to to hit somebody. And I think it just, like, I think we have a low threshold for what it takes to give someone the middle finger. I think, yeah. like, you, that, you do nothing and people give you the middle finger and you're just like, what are you doing? What are you even talking about? Fuck me for what? So, like, <laughs> for, for nothing? Yeah. So, like, uh, Hitting somebody. Remember that brawl that happened between the Pistons and the Pacers? That big oh, basketball brawl. That was a while ago, right? Yeah, but it was really nasty. It was terrible in the in the stands, yeah. and it was like on the news, and every like bar was showing it. I couldn't even watch it. I was like, mm-hmm. I, it disgusts me. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's like a real sort of. Uh, you realize that humans are just we're animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but animal-y. we're civilized, you know, so we're civilized, you're supposed but... to be able to, you know, whatever. I get it, you know what I mean? If I had to, I always used to say to my friends, I'm like, I just fear for whoever gets me to the point that I want to punch him because I'll probably want to do a lot more to you. Yeah, you freak out. Like, make out. Oh, yeah, you want to just like, I'm going to pin him down and then just kiss the shit out Kiss the of shit him. out of him. Kill you with love, baby. Yeah, I've never been in a fight either. I feel like that. That's so interesting that you started to stand up in L.A. too. I didn't know that. It's like a, because I'm... I just keep thinking about that because it's like a, such a rare thing. Yeah, not a lot of people do that. They look at L.A. as like you got to be polished before you get here. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think about it now as the opposite, where I think I've seen people who moved here who were big sh- big fish in little ponds, and they moved here, and all Star of a sudden, no over. one gives a shit about you, and I think it's it's a hard blow. Yeah. It's, I think it's much easier to be like, oh, I'm just a piece of shit. Uh, no one's looking at me, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then it's and like— And you definitely did. Yeah, I did a lot of fucking crazy-ass shit, you man. sure did. I well, always I think it's probably because I that. saw you so early— I remember seeing the first time I saw you do comedy, I was like, I was so into it because you were doing something that didn't feel like this sort of performance that was like always, oh, that's a joke and a joke and a joke. Yeah. It just felt like someone talking who would be doing this regardless. And it was so like you were you were always so happy with everything, like so joyful in what you talked about. I think it's because I saw you and probably maybe four or five other people when I first moved here and was getting into comedy that I was like, okay, you can do comedy in a, you don't have to do it like you see it on TV. Sure. And it's so much funnier when it's not, the TV comedy is like, oh, that's so bad compared to this stuff you see live. It's so like, uh, like there's so much life in it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, I, you know what, dude, I never even like when I started stand up, I didn't know what a light was. I didn't know who Dane <laughs> Cook was. I didn't know who Bill Burr was. I didn't know who Bill Hicks was. I didn't know anything. Well, why seen, did you start it then? I I'd seen stand up physically in my life. Yeah. Uh, one, two, two times. Uh-huh. I saw Cosby at 10 and I saw Chris Rock at like 22. And that was it. And then I did stand up. So, like, I'd seen Seinfeld special on HBO yeah. at my friend's house, but, like, I just didn't know anything about it. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I just thought, I'm like, I just want to get up and try and be funny. You know, but I was just always really funny as a kid. And people started asking me if I was a stand-up when I was in L.A. <laughs> They're like, are you a stand-up comic? Like, waiting tables, because I was, right? like, crushing at tables. That's funny. And then uh, my friend was, like, recommended that I should start. And my buddy, who's a bartender from Minneapolis, okay. and he used to do stand-up there, I was like, what do you need to do to do stand-up? And he's like, you need five minutes. If you, They're only going to give you five minutes anyway, so mm-hmm. just have five minutes. And I'm like, what do I talk about? And he's like, whatever you want. And I was like, all right. And so I came up with five minutes. And I went to his house. I'm like, can I run some of this stuff by you? And he's like, yeah. And I told him. And he's like, yeah, go for it. And I talked about my car. And I did great. So when did you do it for the first time then? 2001, like August of 2001. Would you remember where it was? Yeah, Dublin's. Remember Dublin's? Dublin's. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I used to like that place. Uh, me it was too. far away as hell, though. Um, yeah. It was like a really good experience. And I had fun. People were always like, was it terrible? I'm like, no, it was actually great. So they just started doing it more and more. And I just, yeah, I got there was a comic there, Courtney Cronin, who was a really funny comic and now like produces and stuff. And she, she was like, uh, Hey, uh, are you from, you're from Boston? I'm like, Yeah. She's like, Do you do stand up there? I'm like, No. She's like, You do stand up in San Diego? I'm like, No, I just, this was my first time tonight. And she was like, Oh, here's my card. Call me tomorrow. I'll help you. That's and cool. she like was super cool and like put me in touch with all these people who ran rooms. Mm-hmm. And I started like doing a bunch of rooms and, did that for like eight months, and then kind of was like, I don't know, and kind of like took time off from it. And then I was like, no, nah, I want to do this, and then got back into it. And then that was that. Yeah, it's weird how there's that that sweet spot, and then you kind of are. You realize you're like, I'm gonna, am I gonna do this forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people who re- who really do it a ton, it almost seems kind of joyless. Yeah. Some people, I mean, I'm not gonna name names or anything. Well, I can't, I can't even think of a, of a specific name, but people who are like, if it feels so technical. 
Yeah. Sometimes. Well, sometimes, you know, you get just in ruts. Like lately, yeah. I've just been like, man, I need some new jokes. Right. I need something that's going to excite me. And I just found three new ones and I've done them. Th- I've done one of them once, the other two, th- three times now. And the one that I did once didn't go great. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Not great. The other two are just crushing. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, this is so awesome. I fucking love these. And now I'm like building on them. And then I have another new joke that like the other night, I was talking to another comic backstage, and she was like, "I want to do, I want to do these new jokes, but I'm afraid to because it's like a huge room and it's packed, and I want to." Like, That's when you do them. Yeah, and she goes, "I want to crush," and I'm like, "Well, why don't you start with like the old stuff and then get into the new stuff?" Yeah. Like, you know, she's like, "I don't know," and and it it just didn't go great, and so I got up there and I went on with some of the older stuff, and by old I mean I've been working on it for like eight months. Yeah, you know, and I was like, okay. And they were doing great, and then I went into the new stuff, and I was having such—I was on such a roll. I just started improvising on that new joke, and oh, I'm yeah. writing tags, writing on stage, and that's like when you're having complete freedom. When you're that's just, the ultimate feeling uh, that exists in the world. I feel like is yeah. that that feeling in other things, but that thing when you're writing on your feet, nothing feels better ever. It's like especially when it's like going well, and and you're getting surprised by it, and mm-hmm. then you're just doing it, and you're performing it, right? As if you've been doing it for years and years. And isn't it amazing when you look back at like a joke you've had, the first time you did it was the best version of it. Yeah. And then everything you're doing after is trying to like recreate it yeah. to fit that until you find sweet spots and allow yourself to like let go of the idea and then just let yourself be you and telling this thing, you know. It takes a long time. Sometimes I just I'm not very good at having the patience sometimes because i think for me there's been like oh i have this big job so i can't do that much uh stand up or live any live shows so it kind of lets stuff die and then it becomes a thing where uh, that thing is so much harder to get going again that i just like oh i'll just think of something new yeah when really like i've always let's go back and grind on that yeah but that's the thing you're, you're very lucky you get so much acting work that like you almost need to like book out a month or two months to just do stand-up so oh, you can, like, work on yeah. stuff, you know? But this is what I was going to say to you earlier. I forget what... Oh, when you said, like, when you saw me, you like, oh, you were, like, comfortable or, or whatever you were saying. I realized recently, I said to my wife, I was, like, in the backyard, and she was, like, in the bathroom, and I was out there with the kids, and I walked over the window. I go, hey. She's like, hey. I go, you know what I just realized? She goes, what? I go, I don't ever want to be perfect at anything. <laughs> Nothing. Uh-huh. I go, I always want there to be flaws. I always want there to be imperfections. I'm like, when did we ever get to this point that we need everything to be perfect? Yes, once in a while, I will stumble upon perfection. Like, I have one joke that I'm like, yeah, it's a perfect joke. But I'm never trying to make my jokes perfect. Yeah. I just want them to be funny, organic from who I am. And part of me being organic and who I am is having flaws. That's back to the oh, whole 100%. Yelp thing. We yeah. got to accept flaws and... Not just accept them, but celebrate them. The flaws you know what is what I mean? makes it interesting and unique and great. Yeah. It's not the... Because perfection is so boring. It's like, oh, this is a sheet of stainless steel. It's 12 by 12. <laughs> like, who gives a shit about that? Yeah. There's some quote, I think, from Leonard Nimoy. He said, there's no perfect gardens, only perfect moments. Yeah. I always think about that. Like, oh, you can't make something perfect, but you can have... There's a, There can be a moment where, like, oh, this is... The per- this is a perfect moment right now. Yes. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away so you can enjoy the moment of it, but that's it. I like that a lot. Um, damn. Because a garden is like, I feel like garden is like comedy kind of. 
Yeah, let's. I mean, we're going to talk about gardening. I'm so oh, stoked. Good, yeah. That's all we were. I, all I wanted to talk, and not all I wanted to talk You're about. Just, you just said, "Damn." Yeah, would you have to edit that out? No. Remember this joke you had? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm a huge Brendan Wood fan, oh, I man. I can't wait. God, I love him. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Here I come. Still. Just give me some kind of sign, girl. Oh, my baby. Show me that you're mine, girl. Oh, yeah. Just give me some kind of sign, girl. Show me that oh. you're mine, girl. The song is two oh, minutes and yeah. 22 seconds long. It's got a bridge, it's got a solo. Everything you need. Everything you need. In in and two out. minutes and 22 seconds. This guy's from Southern California. You know what I love about it? It's just like chill, chill. And then the little build, it builds itself. It oh, yeah. builds and then, and then just give me something. Here it comes. Oh. It's like a sledgehammer. It just kind of fell off. And just give me some kind of sign, Show me that you're mine, girl. Oh yeah. Just give me some kind of sound. It's one of my favorite bits. Show me that you're mine, girl. Oh yeah. You have a special out right now. A little organ. Where can people watch your stuff? Uh, JLarsonComedy.com. J A Y L A R S O N C O M E D Y dot com. Yeah. And you have a special, right? Yeah, it's on there called Me Being Me. Yeah. That's my newest one. And Where did then, you shoot uh, that? At the El Rey. Oh, yeah. I self-produced it, put the whole thing together. That place is rad. Yeah, man. I, I always, I saw like uh, Galactic, you know Galactic? Are you kidding me? It's one of my, uh, we have to play some Galactic now. I saw them there. <laughs> That's and I so remember funny, man. Walking. I thought about Galactic in forever. I walked in there and I was like, what is this place? Like I was new to LA and I was yeah. like, this is gorgeous in here. It felt like... You know, it's got like that red, like oh, velvet it's, it's, on the walls. It's and a like, beautiful place uh, to perform. Yeah, it has great sound too, dude. I saw Galactic when I was probably like seventeen. I think it's the in New first. New Orleans. No, I saw them in uh, Minnesota oh. at this little farm venue. It was like a little one-day music festival. I saw Government Mule, Galactic, and one other band. I can't remember like what trombone it was. Trombone Shorty or something. Something like that. And I was just because I got this. This record, the drummer, Stanton Moore, had one of his records. But then I got so into them. God, I haven't thought about these guys in fucking forever, man. They were awesome. Yeah, it's just like, this is like classic filter funk shit. These guys are all from New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My buddy introduced me to him, and his grandfather spent a lot of time in New Orleans, mm -hmm. and then he got married in New Orleans, and we went out. Friday night was a rehearsal dinner. Thursday night, we went out and saw Galactic. Where'd you see him? I can't remember. Tipitinas? I was in this band so long, this is so long ago. I was uh, in New Orleans with my dad. I was probably 19, maybe. Oh. My dad, my dad uh, used to live in New Orleans for like 15, 20 years, right? So he was visiting an old friend there. We went out to this bar. Uh, my dad used to work at a bar called Nick's Big Train Lounge, which is now gone. I think <laughs> Katrina destroyed it. But it was, uh, he was a bartender there, and I had a drink. They served me without carding me at all. Uh -huh. a, a grain alcohol drink called the 1-800-Fuck-Me-Up. Oh, my God. That they would sell by the gallon. You could take as a takeaway store. Yeah, of It was course. basically jungle juice and grain alcohol. Yeah. I had one of those. I got pretty damn drunk. And then we went to that restaurant Giacomo's. Yeah. This is 20 years ago. 
and I saw the singer from Galactic, Daryl Ducalay. I saw him there with his with his mom and his, his taking his mom out, and I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And he was all he was got the long pinky fingernail kind yeah. of shit. Like I do, I saw that on a guy the other day. Really? Yeah. That's some like old school cat shit right yes. there. That's like, ooh. I saw this old, like, Latin-looking dude driving this fat Benz. Dude. All tanned up, nice sunglasses. Yeah. And I just looked, and he had that one long pinky fingernail. That's, I don't I mean, that's, I think it means a couple things, but it definitely means you're an old head. Yeah. <laughs> you're an old cat. Yeah. Like a dude who's, he's like the cool guy who's like, no, put put the gun away, put the gun away. <laughs> that so, kind of shit. Come on, man, calm down. Come on now. You know what I love about Galactic and a lot of those bands, like Trombone Shorty and stuff, is mm-hmm. brass, dude. Uh-huh. Brass. Have you heard of this guy, Lewis Cole? No. This new guy, lives in L.A. He's going to be on the podcast at some point. He has this new album that's so, I played it on the podcast before. This shit is so fucking good, man. This guy, I'll play it right now. This, he, he has great stuff with brass. Like his arrangements are incredible. This is a new song he has called Thinking. This is like a single, I think, off of his latest album. This might not be the one with the brass. I like it already. It's so good. I mean, his shit is just... Damn. What a voice, huh? His arrangements, I mean, I, I can't, I just can't even handle it. This is good. Here's the killer one. This is a good one. There's the brass. This is called Doing the Things. Where is he perform? Well, he's, he's going to be in Europe a bunch this summer, but you can probably see him in L.A. He's like a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, he's just a fucking nightmare, man. He's yeah. like a... It does sound like Brenton Wood a bit. It's got that sort of like yeah. happy. You know what else it reminds me a little of that gets a bad rap and it's just an awesome artist is Jamiroquai. Oh, I fucking love Jamiroquai. Me too, but people shit on him sometimes. Yeah, people dude. shit on everything. Yeah, it's true, play. Dude, fucking Jamiroquai is the bomb, dude. Jamiroquai is one of those things where like, the good Jamiroquai tracks, you can listen to them endlessly. Yes. I can listen to a song that's 30 or it's like 25 years old at this point, maybe some of that shit. Yeah. And it still has the same. Like, it's got that weird syncopated quality that kind of like, I don't know, it just stays up. It's like, it's like a beach ball that doesn't 100%, fall. 100%, kind of yeah. It's uplifting. Yeah. Oh. That's real drums, too, oh. mixed with, like, synth. His drum chops, he's got, like, this real, like... Does he play every instrument? He plays keys and drums. I think yeah. he can play anything, but he's, like, a, mainly, I think, a drummer and a keyboard player. He's like just a stud. He's a classic. Yeah. It's so embarrassing as if I have in the podcast. I'm like, me stroking Lewis super hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's like he's just breaking rules too, mm-hmm. it sounds like, you know? He's not living with inside anything. Yeah, totally. I love that. It's heavy shit. You know, that's like what we talked about earlier about with stand-up, is making jokes that aren't really jokes. If right. you read them off paper, you'd be like, what? Totally. It's, it's all the delivery, it's movement, it's it's pronunciation, you know. What were you saying? We were talking about, when I was telling you that garden analogy or something that came up. You, you, it's not like you remembered then you forgot it, but maybe you remember I, it again. I, 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 I can't remember. I just, <laughs> I always just love imperfection and everything. I yeah. Just, I love it. It just, 
because it just normalizes us all and makes us not like need to be perfect because just so much, so many things we like, you know, it's like the Yelp thing is what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, it's back to the Yelp thing. It's like, when did we get to a point where we could review everything and let people know if it's good or bad? Shut the fuck up. Let some, can someone else just decide that they think something is good or bad? What do I got to listen to Natasha K or whatever the fuck her name Alexis? was? Alexis? Yeah. <laughs> I got to listen to you to tell me pancakes are bad at, you know, at House of Pies? Also, can't you say, so many things are just an experience of that time. Yeah, like, and oh, your day. Someone, someone had a, someone had like a, oh, you had a shitty experience once. Yeah, and you yeah. need to tell everyone about it? Shut up. Everyone's got to be perfect all the goddamn time. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I feel like there should be a level of, uh, you know, finding beauty in, in little tiny things like going to CVS and hearing that song, you know, give me some kind of sign girl, because like that should be like the moments that we cherish, not the ones that are the most beautiful, perfect times. Yeah. Like, how about the times that are just like, I don't know, and then find something beautiful in it. It's also funny, too, when you see all these people who are kind of falling from grace now who seem so uh, perfect and like composed and. Like, oh shit, Bill Cosby's a fucking rapist. Oh yeah. my god. Well, I mean, I think this is a big difference from having some flaws and being a fucking rapist. Right. Obviously, I mean, there's like a big. Yes. W- what I'm saying is that that you see something that appears to be perfect and so great, like, oh wow, we have to be like that. It's like, oh, this this thing that's so perfect is actually the darkest it's shit ever. Darkest. Like shit, shit that's bro. perfect is usually. What's that saying? It's like some sort of shit where people talk, say like, you know, when someone if someone doesn't have any vices at all, I'm always a little bit like. Yeah, what's, what's up, up with you? you? Dude, by you the way, no vices? I wear a wedding band, right? a watch, then a ring on my other hand, and a bracelet. You know why? No. Because that's what Cosby wore in the Cosby show. Oh, really? He always had a, his wedding band and yeah. a watch, and then he had this other dope ring and, like, an ID bracelet or, like, a silver bracelet. And as a kid, all I ever wanted was, like, I want to have that same setup as Cosby. It's good. And now I do, man. See, Cosby had a lot of good shit, too. I mean, it's just tough to look. My friend said to me, he's like, so what's the deal? Can we, like, introduce our kids to Cosby still? And I was like, I don't know, man. You saw that Dave Chappelle joke, right? That no, long what did he one? say? It's in a special. It's a very long joke. I think it's from a special two years ago. He basically, I mean, I'm kind of going to ruin it here, but whatever. If you haven't seen it, it's him. People haven't. They've already seen it if they've seen it. He talks about how whenever he goes to like big Hollywood parties, people are like, hey, Dave, I love your stuff. Hey, hey, would you ever want to make a movie? What would it be? And his idea he pitches is there's a guy. He's like a superhero. He can uh, do all these great things. He can save people's lives and do all this stuff. This is Dave Chappelle, but this is him saying it. Yeah, yeah. So just so you know. But (laughs) he can save it. He saves tons of lives every year. But in order to do that, he has to rape a woman once a year. Oh, my God. Something to that effect. It's this thing where it's it's only only Dave Chappelle. Only Chappelle. But it's like this interesting thing where you're like, oh, my God. It's like the gnashing of worlds kind of yeah, thing where – because Cosby did do a lot of great for so many people. He he set up – I mean he helped the black community immensely. Sure. But at the same time, he's at a fucking time, nightmare. He was ruining lives. So it's like that thing and where – trickle-down effect of oh, those lives. Oh, no, it's terrible. It's crazy to even It's the kind of thing it. where it's just – it's one of those things where – Makes makes me realize that nothing really makes any sense, kind of. Because if yeah. that's the if that's a thing that exists, or like Michael Jackson, same kind of thing, where it's I, like I don't remember who said it, but someone said nothing really matters. <laughs> Anyone can see 
Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters but cocaine to me. To me. Jay, is there anything you want to plug at all? Uh, just my podcast. The Throughline Podcast on Starbarns. Yes. Audio. Uh, yeah, check out The Throughline. comes out every Thursday. And we, we're going to do an episode with you. Hell yeah. Hell's Bells. Um, check that out. And just um, go to jlarsoncomedy.com. Check out my special if you're so inclined. This is not the song I wanted to play right now. This is too heavy. This is some weird shit called Ruth White someone told me about. It's good, though. What should I play to close things out? What do you want to hear? What about Ruth White? You want to hear Ruth White? No, let's go to my wedding song, man. What is it? This must be the place. This must be Be the place. This is a great album by the uh, Talking Heads. Yeah. You know, like, how do you feel about covers, cover songs? I think covers are great. Some of my favorite songs are covers of the original. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Lumineers cover this track. Oh, really? And, like, this is one of my all-time favorite songs. And it's actually, like, awesome. And I know people, you know, they dump on the Lumineers because everyone dumps on everything, like you said. But it's awesome. Uh, Yeah, Jay Larson Comedy, go over there and uh, come see a live show. Yes. Yes. Are you going to be anyplace anytime soon? In, I'll be in Vermont in December. I'll be in Albany. Ooh, that's Albany. Be beautiful. Yeah. Vermont in December. Vermont anytime. Vermont, because I grew up, you know, in Minnesota. Yeah. The winters are they're a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Vermont's like pretty winter. Where Minnesota's like, I'm, I almost died. Yeah, totally. And then uh, September 28th, 27th, 28th, 29th, I'll be in uh, Albany, New York with a funny bone. Yes. Bye, Jay. Starbanks Avenue, a podcast network.